0: Evan Mondro here, Coach Tro, the head women's basketball coach at Clary University. Welcome back to the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast, the podcast where we advocate coaches and help young coaches learn from the coaches telling these stories. Today, we are talking to Coach John Trofe. Coach Trofe is currently an assistant coach for head coach Neil Young at Ohio Northern University. Coach John arrived at Ohio Northern after spending the past eight seasons At Goshen, including the previous five as their head coach. At Goshen, Coach John's 2017-18 team led the Crossroads League in scoring with 84.9 points per game, the most in program history. In addition, this is Coach John's second tenure with Coach Neal. With Coach Neal, Coach John was an assistant coach with Coach Neal from 2015 to 2017 at Goshen. Before Goshen, Coach John was a graduate assistant coach for head coach Greg Campy at Oakland University. And before Oakland, Coach John graduated from Eastern Michigan University. While at EMU, Coach John spent four years as a men's basketball manager, including three as the head manager. I had the opportunity to spend one season with Coach John at EMU. I've always been so proud to see Coach John's career take off and to see Coach John Become a head coach at Goshen was a tremendous moment of great pride. This conversation is so special to me. Coach John is not only a high-level coach, but a wonderful husband and father. And it is my pleasure to share his coaching story. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform that you are currently listening. Remember, we are everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Please keep telling your coaching friends about this podcast bigger audience we can create the bigger impact we can make with younger coaches follow tell me your story coach on instagram at tell me your story coach follow tell me your story coach on twitter at coach kevin dro connect with me on linkedin kevin mondro enough of coach dro let's get to coach john Trofe and share his story john why do you coach
1: yeah so i mean ultimately you know i coach to help young men become the best versions of themselves that they can become in the four years or however many years that they're with us, you know, with COVID that's maybe added a year, with transfer, maybe that's taken away a year. But ultimately, you know, I want to coach that they will leave the best version of themselves when they leave, you know, the program that I'm at.
0: So this best version of themselves, like how do you measure this? How do you go about this? Like what's your process in trying to help these young men leave the best versions of themselves?
1: Yeah. Ultimately, you know, I just want to see growth, right? And that can be in a lot of different areas, right? Like sometimes that's going to be on the court, right? Sometimes that's going to be, in the classroom. Sometimes that's going to be, you know, maybe leader, you know, taking a step forward in leadership or how they communicate, how they handle adversity. You know, I know that sometimes that can be a overstated thing, but I really believe that if you leave after four years, the same person, then what did you get out of college, right? What did you get out of your sport, right? And For some guys, right, you've coached guys that have gone on play pro, I've coached guys that have gone on play pro. Like, that'll be a part of their journey, certainly. You know, I don't believe that can be your identity. You're going to have to find something to do when the ball stops bouncing for you. And so, giving guys an experience that they can grow in, that's ultimately, you know, what we look for. And, you know, I would say, like, in some areas, it's harder to measure that than others. Obviously, when you're talking about, like, growth as a basketball player, you can look at Oh, he shoots it better now, right? He started off as a 30% shooter. Now he shoots 40%. Right. There's growth, right? But, you know, I think in other areas, right, like there can still be some objective ways to look at it. Oh, like if a future employer were to call me about one of our guys, I would, you know, I would tell our guys, like, I want you to leave with the opportunity to own a business at some point, like be your own employer. Well, for you to do that, you're going to have to to grow. And, you know, candidly, that can happen in a lot of different ways. But I feel like if guys leave the same, you know, like, what are we doing as coaches? Like, we're probably not fostering an, an environment of growth or they're not making any effort to grow. And if that's the case, like, it's probably not a good fit for either the coach or the player.
0: I love that answer about personal growth and growth mindset. Really good. John, when did you know that you wanted to be a coach?
1: Yeah. So when I was a sophomore in high school, I was on a good high school team for small town, northwest Ohio. We had a lot of guys in my grade that played. And, you know, I was not one of the best players. I was the energy guy. I was the guy that, you know, played really hard, but, you know, lacked the talent, the size, the skill set to be a big minute guy. And so I almost thought about quitting and maybe leading the student section. I said, I've got all this energy. I love basketball. I love my teammates. Like, maybe I'd be better served, like, leading the student section. But with my JV coach at the time, Coach Daniels, he said, you know, hey, there is a role for you on this team. I'd never really heard the concept of a role player before or that every player had a role that they could serve. He said, hey, there's a role for you. We're going to find that role for you. And if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to make a basketball player out of you. I really felt like those words stuck with me. I took it to heart. We found a role. I embraced that role. And that's basically who I was for the remainder of my time in high school. And I got to be a part of two really, really good state tournament teams. We went to the Elite Eight back-to-back years, my junior and senior year. And... I got to be a part of that largely, I feel like, because I embraced, you know, the role that that Coach Daniels had set forward for me. And then, you know, even when I got to varsity, I was never a big time scorer or whatever. I wanted to be a part of something bigger than me. And he was the guy that sort of showed me that value. And after he, he retired that year after, but that whole year, I just was like, man, like, this is awesome. Like, I've got a role on this team. And I, he was kind of the guy that inspired me to get into coaching. And so, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm still close with him. I talk to him fairly regularly. And when I was at Goshen, when I got my first head coaching job at Goshen for a couple of years, he helped out as like a volunteer assistant. He would drive like three hours, you know, multiple <laughs> wow. times a week just to come out and watch practice and give me a solid and everything like
0: that. High level coaching there for sure. You talked about energy. <laughs> you do have a lot of energy, John. And I will talk about when you were a head coach here in a second. And I saw that firsthand, but I also saw it firsthand. I only had one year with you, but you were four years as a student assistant coach at Eastern Michigan under Charles Ramsey and then Rob Murphy. What was your mindset, John, as a student assistant coach? I think this could help a lot of young coaches out there.
1: There was certainly the dream side of it that, you know, I wanted to coach, be a head coach at the highest level possible, right? So just being around those guys and sort of taking in as much information as I could, you know, I mean. I don't know if you felt like I was maybe annoying with some of my questions, but I just, I really, I wanted to know as much as I could. I wanted to hear, you know, how did you get that job? How did you get that job right? And so obviously I wanted, the the professional side of it is I I wanted to get a head coaching job at Division one level, right? Like, you know, I mean, certainly where, where I came you know, that was what I dreamed of being, but also, you know, I wanted to be reliable ultimately like I felt like my role as a student assistant was I need to be reliable. If the coaches need something, I need to be able to do it and I need to be able to do it well. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be asked to do certain things, but the things that I was going to be asked, like again, one thing that coach Daniels always said, like no role is too small. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I learned that from him. And so I took that to heart, right? There, Nothing that was asked of me was too small. That doesn't always mean you're going to want to do it, but that still doesn't mean it's too small. Whether that's, hey, like for practice, you need to wipe sweat off the floor or you need to rebound for such and such. Or, you know, I need your help to go pick up this pregame meal or whatever it was. You know, no role is too small. That all goes into helping a college program operate. Yeah, I mean, we got to work together for a year. And so I got to see, I had a unique experience of getting to work with two different staff. And I felt like in some ways that benefited me, right? So, you know, I mean, I got to know the previous staff. I felt like I had pretty good relationships with them. I mean, obviously, like, I still talk with Carl, who's now your colleague. I still talk with you know, Andy Moore a lot, now the coach at Reynoldsburg. And even Coach Ramsey, like, last year when I was at Goshen, we played at Concordia. He came to the game because I was coaching in it, and one of his former players who was there when I was at Eastern, Jake Kozik, is an assistant at Concordia. So we were kind of going against each other, and I got to see him. And So, you know, like, ultimately, like, there's that that professional, like, yeah i wanted the connection but i also wanted to learn and i wanted to be reliable and so you know i felt like that served me well like in the sense of like if you're a reliable guy generally speaking in life if you're reliable when whoever calls to get a reference you know they're gonna be like yeah that guy that's real, that guy's reliable like you're gonna get he's gonna get down what you ask him and i think in most things in life that can be a useful thing
0: what was it like working for greg campy at oakland
1: yeah. So, I mean, that was obviously, I would say there was something that, you know, my eyes got open, you know, because when you're a student assistant, right? Like there's, yeah, you're like, I mean, you're more of, you're still more of a student. And then as a GA, you're more of a coach, right? right. And so just the expectations, the demands, they're a little bit more, you know, I mean, obviously the opportunity to work with Campy, who's so well respected in the state and in the profession as a whole was awesome. And, you know, I have so much respect for him and just how he does things. But I got to learn too, like some of the things that might not be as glamorous at the division one level. It's weird because as a student assistant, I was, you know, like, again, I was in a unique situation where the staff before me, I mean, I worked for two staff, but that didn't impact me as a student assistant. Whereas when you're in the coaching profession, that can impact you, right? Like staff turnover, whether it's you know, they leave for other jobs or they get let go or they retire, like those things become real, that that pressure to win, that becomes a real thing every single game. And, you know, you could see being in staff meetings after a loss versus being in staff meetings after a win, just sometimes how those, you know, different levels of frustration or excitement in whatever. And, you know, not that everybody's like, we were all result focused, but like ultimately results matter. They do better at those levels, right? I mean, I thought it can't be from a X's and O's standpoint. I just felt like he always saw stuff in practice. And there were a couple of times I'd be like, hey, how did you see that? <laughs> he was like, well, you got to, he goes, you can't just be looking here. You can't just be looking here. And I remember one time, I'll never forget it. There was a play where one of our guys didn't, it, I wouldn't say it was a shove. But he definitely committed an offensive foul on a rebound. He like kind of nudged the guy in the back to go get the offensive rebound. And Campy blew the whistle dead and he called out the player and said, Hey, you can't do that. That's an offensive foul. And the next play went on and then the kid stepped out and he came over to me and he goes, how in the world did can't you see that? And I said, I was looking right at you. I didn't see that. So like, <laughs> I was like, that just shows you just like, you know, just how the longer you've been in it, the more basketball you see, how the game had, I mean, had just slowed down for him and he could see the things that maybe, you know, younger coaches didn't see. And, you know, the biggest thing that I thought he taught me in terms of practice was, hey, you can't be watching the ball all the time. Like, you watch the ball all the time, you're only going to see the result. You're never going to see, like, what's going on backside with your defense? What's going on backside with your offense? You know, we ran a lot of sets for one year because we had a good shooter named Travis Bader. And, you know, a lot of those sets were based on the first screener, right? And if the first screener wasn't in the right position, that would maybe mess up the set. so just paying attention to that stuff. So I learned a lot. It was two really, really great years. I really enjoyed my time at Oakland. It was a little bit different. I don't know how you feel felt working at Eastern. I felt that, and this might just be the product of any sport that has football. I felt like at Eastern, like they, if football did well, that was Big, big, big deal, right? And at Oakland, you didn't have football. And so it was like basketball was, if basketball did well, that was a big deal. So that was kind of how that operated too, which was unique as well. No,
0: and I I feel your sentiments. uh, And I definitely experienced that when I worked at Detroit and Loyola, Chicago, like didn't have football, so you know, basketball was king on campus, both men and women. So that's right on. I love that coach Campy taught you not to watch the ball. That's high level coaching there. That's I'm sure that's really, really helped you throughout your career. Two part question. How did you get the Goshen assistant job? And who is coach Neil Young?
1: Yeah, a crazy thing. I got the job through Hoopster. That's how I found out about the job. So I found out about the job through Hoopster. And then I knew a guy named Harry Weimer, who I'm sure you know that name, but not Maybe not everybody who listens knows that name, but Terry, Division One official, done multiple Final Fours. Toledo guy. I, yeah. yeah, so I got to know Terry by coaching his son for summer basketball mm. way back when I was in high school and college. And then I worked for him. He owned a couple businesses. I worked for him. And I got to know him well. And he knew the commissioner of the league at that time. And the commissioner of the league is another name you'll know. His name is J.D. Collins. Terry called J.D. and said, hey, I know a guy. Found out about this job through Hoopster. Could you give a good word, right? I don't know what Harry said or, or whatever, but all I know is that that at least got my resume and looked at. And then I got, I got the interview. It was between me and two other guys. I got the interview and I got it because I, I interviewed well ultimately. But, you know, I think it showed the value of, again, like there is certainly value in any job, right? But certainly in coaching, if you know people that, Trust you and know that you're a reliable person they'll help you out down the road and that was just a weird you know a weird connection that jd collins was the commissioner of the league this is before he was and after he was the commissioner of crossroads he then became coordinator of officials right yeah, for the he, Mac, yeah. he had a he had a big time job but this was before he did that and so just that sort of happened but yeah i mean I, it, it was a unique one i found out about the job through the hoop dirt and you know went through the channels to apply and so that's um uh, That's that. But then, yeah, Coach Young. So again, we didn't know each other before we worked with each other. But once we got to know each other, we're very united in terms of how we approach our purpose in coaching. You know, I know he would say certainly that he is the guy that is is focused on the hearts and minds of young men, developing them. You know, we were at Goshen together for three years. You know, I felt like we were just one of those things that it worked well. When he left, I was surprised. I was really, really happy for him. And he took a job that I thought suited him well, and he had a lot of success with that next job. And then, so when he got to Ohio Northern and got the job, I had an opportunity to go work for again. It was honestly, I probably made the decision way more difficult than I needed to, but it was a no brainer. He's a guy that I trust that I enjoy working for. You know, again, like to me, when you're united in how you're approaching coaching, right? When you're centered around your guys first you know the basketball side of it like the x's and o's like we'll figure that out we ultimately want to coach for that and our faith is a big part of that and and we share that together and that's a big deal
0: so now it's the second time you've worked for him and we're going to talk about you being a head coach after this but you know assistant with them once now assistant at ohio northern you've touched on being a ga a student coach but now John, what do you think an assistant coach should truly bring to the table?
1: I always think this. I don't think as assistant coaches, we're called to be yes men. I think if we feel strongly about something, we should voice that. But I do also think that one, those are conversations to be had with whether it's you and another coach or you have a staff of multiple guys, you voice that and then you've got to come out as a collective unit. And again, that's one thing that, you know, Coach Young and I think do well, like, I'm not going to say we have shouting matches, but we certainly, there'll be times where we'll disagree on how to defend something or what to do on offense. But like, I don't think you would ever know that because we hash it out, we talk about it, and then we go out and, you know, we're able to bring a collective unified approach. I think if coaches are not in sync, the players know. And I think that's huge. You know, I learned that in being a head coach that, if you don't have assistants that are in sync with you, it's going to it's gonna look really, really bad. And so I think that's like honestly that's one of the great things that you can bring as an assistant is like you're bought in as much as you're asking the players to be bought in. And that's where I would go with the next point. As an assistant, I think we should never be asking our guys to do something that we ourselves wouldn't do. Right. So if we're gonna you know, old guys to a standard, you know, of working hard and staying organized and not being late, you know, like we as assistant coaches can't do that, right? Now, there are obviously, like, there may be certain situations where an assistant coach can't be present at something. I think that's different, right? But that can be communicated. But if we're asking, hey, like we've got film at three o'clock, like I don't think it looks good if an assistant coach walks in at 3.02, right? We wouldn't accept that if a player did it. And so again, I think it comes back to, again, like being reliable, being somebody that can be counted on. I think being somebody that can be loyal is really important. You know, again, like if you're not bought in as an assistant, I think the players are going to know. And ultimately, when you leave, is that coach going to give you a good reference if he knows that you're not bought into him? Or maybe he'll give you a good reference just to get rid of you, but he's going to catch up with you at some point. I really think as an assistant, like we've got to be the most bought in and be able to be an extension of communication and, and all that for the head coaches. And then, yeah, there is an element of Certainly in my time as an assistant, in my time as a head coach, because I've seen both sides, like players are going to be more comfortable in some situations coming to assistance. And so that can be an important role. I think that starts with having a great relationship with those guys. But if they come to you with something, like we have to be able to discern and know like, hey, is this something that needs to go to the head man or is this something that is just like a conversation, right? But certainly if there's like, big time issues, like that's when too, like you've got to be able to to navigate, okay, like, you know, this kid's really, really struggling. I probably need to bring this to our head coach or, you know, this is no big deal. Like we'll get through this together. I really think those are things that can certainly things that I have other guys have told me, other guys that, you know, I, I learned from. And again, that was I mean, I remember one thing, I mean, I don't know. Like I would never have known if you and Coach Murphy disagreed with you know, a strategy. Like I never would have known that because it never appeared to me that you guys were out of sync, even though there may have been times when you were. So I think like being loyal, being loyal, but you still got to have your, you still got to have your convictions. You can't not be yourself, but that stuff can't be leaked to players because I think that's where it gets really, really sketchy. For sure. Great advice
0: there. So you go student assistant, GA assistant, you're a head coach. Talk to me through just a little bit. Like what was your experience as a young head coach and then kind of what was your learning curve and like, what did you take end of the day? Like, how would you recap your five years as a head coach at Goshen?
1: Yeah. So first off, I mean, we get a coach basketball, so it's a ton of fun regard. but I think I remember, and you, you just had him on your podcast, Darren Sorensen. And he said something to me one time that I was just like, you know, I kind of chuckled at it at the time, but it turned out to be so true. You know, I think a lot of us feel we know everything, right? When we're an assistant, we feel like we know everything and we're ready to be a head coach. Then when we're a head coach, we think, you know, we know everything and we'll be able to win every game, right? And there's that fine line between is that confidence or is that, you know, being selfish or having too much of an ego. But I certainly felt like when I got the head job that I was ready for it that I was going to be, boom, like it was going to be a seamless transition. Everything was going to be smooth. Like we're going to, you know, be great, all this stuff. And then like things like, how to manage a budget, scheduling. You know, sometimes you had to figure out transportation. You had to drive your guys to a game, right? If, if a charter bus wasn't available. Sometimes like planning out strength and conditioning workouts where you're not trained at strength and conditioning. <laughs> Sorry, but just like all of the, resp- like managing a staff, right? Like you go from being in a system where you're just asked to do stuff and, help, you know, like you follow through on a list of, of tasks to assigning tasks to people. And what tasks? do you assign what do you not want to do right and so and that's where when I got the head coaching job you know Coach Young gave me a lot of advice and I got better at it as I went along but he was always like hey like you need to delegate some of the stuff that like you're not as good at or you you're able to delegate that you're not maybe not you don't want to do and you need to focus and be good at the things that you want to do because if you're always focusing on the stuff that you're not good at and you don't want to do like that's going to take away from the stuff that you're good at, right? And when you're the head coach, like, you have all of the possibilities. And, you know, at the smaller college level where you have less staff, like, there are some things you're just not going to be able to delegate. But there were still some things that I could have. And, you know, I think I don't know that I ever really figured that out. I would say this, I think the first few years, you know, there was a lot of turnover in with the staff that I had, like, from my first three years, we didn't have the same, any of the assistants stayed the same um, except one, you know, and that was a unique situation. So it wasn't until my fourth year, really, where I got two assistants and assistant stayed again for the fifth year. And I think anybody who watched our program for those two years would have said, man, what a difference that made. Not only did we improve in terms of overall wins and losses, but recruiting was better you know our team gpa was better all of these things and so i mean i felt like that super underrated part of being a head coach because it's probably not something as a head coach that you think about it at first even though you a lot i mean rarely do guys go I mean, it happens occasionally, but rarely do guys go from no coaching experience to all of a sudden getting a head coaching job. So most of the time, those guys are assistants, and they become a head coach. And I, I think had I really understood the value of having and retaining good staff and the right guys, that you know, I think that would have would have really, really. You know, probably served me better. And again, some of these situations, it's not like I'm not speaking bad about the assistants. Like they, they were part time guys making very little money. Like they, some of them had families. Like it wasn't doable. But again, those were things that probably, you know, I could have done a better job, you know, fleshing out early in the process and, or, you know, finding, you know, realizing that, hey, like this probably isn't a situation that you know, is going to work out. Those were some of the lessons that I felt like I learned. I felt like ultimately, candidly, I struggled to make some of the hard decisions that head coaches have to make. That was not a strength of mine. I felt like I got a little better at it, but I never loved that part of it. Are you going to dismiss player from the team? Are you going to bench a player? Are you going to suspend a player? How are you going to handle this situation? You know, kid breaks the rule. Like, what are you going to do? I was, candidly, I was never great at that for whatever reason. I do feel like I got better at it, but as a young coach, you're just again. I think that was something that it was. I kind of thought that some of that stuff would take care of itself. That guys would just do what I asked. But, but you know, I mean, that's. I think that was a little foolhardy, and I don't have any regrets from what I did. I just know that I learned a lot, and the the learning curve was very very steep for me. And I do think when the time comes, if I ever get another head coaching job, or if that's the route that I go down. That I will be much better for it because of the Goshen job, but I also think that you know there. I, I probably wasn't prepared those first couple of years, and so it's almost like those first two years were kind of like, "Holy cow, what is going on?" And to go along with that, I was also already young. It's not like I was a, an assistant for twenty years and had worked under you know at a bunch of different places. Like I mean, I'd been. I'd truly been an assistant for three years. I'd been a GA for two years before that and a student assistant before that. So it's not like I had had a ton of experience to begin with. So I feel like I earned the job because of, you know, the, how my career trajectory went at Goshen, but that doesn't mean I was prepared for it. If that makes sense.
0: I love your honesty. That was, that's a great answer. So, you know, you think about it, like, you know, we always say we're a better coach today than we were yesterday. So you have five years like, you know, that you learn from. And when the opportunity comes, and I, I believe it will, you'll be a better head coach. So that's an awesome perspective. And you can tell that you're bringing all that experience right now to, to Coach Young in, in Ohio Northern. John, you sent me this note. We exchanged some notes. I always try to do a, a halfway decent job preparing for these in terms of like what we want to discuss and how we can best tell your story. But one thing that you wrote really kind of hit me as like, oh, this is pretty good. So I'm going to ask now, John, how does your faith drive your purpose?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, my faith is what gives me my purpose in coaching. You know, ultimately, again, I want players to leave the best version of themselves because I feel like first off that that's what we're called to do as people. That's what we're called to do. I coach in the men's games. That's what we're called to do as men. That's what we're called to do as People. That's what we're called to do as people of faith. And I had people that poured into my life and helped me become the best version of myself. And, you know, not all of us, that's going to be the same group of guys. But when we have an opportunity in college basketball, in developmental years of, you know, eighteen to twenty two year olds. Again, like I would say I grew the most in college. It was guys like you, Coach Moore. Coach Thomas, Coach Ramsey, Coach Murphy, right? Like it was all of these guys, you know, pouring into me here and there that helped me become the most well-rounded person that I could become. Even per- like professors have a role in that. Parents have a role in that, you know, but ultimately, you know, like I know that when <laughs> when I die, you know, and I stand at the gates, I'm not going to be asked, you know, what my career coaching record was, at least I hope not because it's not very good, (laughs) but I I will be asked, what did I do with the gifts that I was given? You know, I do believe that, you know, one of my strengths is the relationship side of things. And if I can pour into guys and help them find their purpose, they're going to go out and then make a difference in the world. I heard Jim Cruz say this a long time ago. I'm not taking credit for this statement, but I heard Jim Cruz say it one time. And he said, you know, I don't believe the world needs better basketball players. It needs better people. It needs better, you know, better fathers, better husbands, better coaches, better school counselors, better principals. And when you hear older people talk about what they want from their kids, they always talk about how they want their kids to experience what they were able to do. They hope that the next generation leaves the world a better place than them. So like we all have this common goal. And so like, I really believe that if we all have that common goal, then we should all be living for that purpose of growing men. And if you're coaching in the women's game, growing women into the best person that they can become, the most well-rounded person. I really believe in college, you get exposed to all of that. How are you going to manage your time? How are you going to treat people? kind of relationships you're going to have? right? How you're going to stay, you know, disciplined to be successful in, you know, multiple areas of your life, you know? And so my faith is the reason that, you know, I do what I do, but I, I don't even believe, like, I think my faith would help me do a lot of different things. But I do feel like in this area that this is where, you know, I can make a difference. And, and all of us coaches, I think we have a tremendous opportunity every single day to impact lives. And more so than other professions do, we get to work with a group of young people every day for multiple years. And so the opportunity is great. And I think we have to be on purpose to then serve that purpose. And if we do that, we'll live and do our job as coaches, knowing that we did the best thing for those kids.
0: This is great advice, too, by Coach Cruz. You know, Coach Cruz mentioned good people. And what about balance? Like, how do you balance being a coach, a husband, a dad?
1: Yeah, it's one thing that I'm learning still. I don't know that I have a a great answer right now. It's something that I'm still learning. I had seen it done though. Again, so Coach Young, great example, wife, three kids, like he always was great with balance, right? You know, I remember at, you know, you I, I talked with you a lot. You were married, you guys hadn't had, you know, you guys hadn't gone through the process of with Jeremiah, but I know you were going through that and just finding, Balance there. I remember talking Saudi, Washington, when I was at Oakland, had two young kids and, you know, the, the work life balance there. So again, those were things that I, I just had learned from, tried to learn from coaches. I, I don't know that I have it figured out. I do know this, right? Like, you can't be so obsessed with your work that you ignore your wife and your kid. That's not good for anybody. It's not good for you. It's not good for your wife. It's not good for your kids, right? I think everybody is going to find a different way to find that balance. You know, part of me, like I love being with my wife and my son. We just have the one kid right now, but I enjoy that time. So when we get the opportunity to to do stuff together I'm gonna I'm gonna do it like I take my wife and I mean even though my son's only one year old like you probably talk to local northwest Ohio high school coach and be like yeah like coach troffle always walking around with his son you know like sometimes we bring him in in the car seat sometimes right like you know those opportunities to experience those couple extra hours and you know that means my son gets to see me do what I what I love he gets to be around basketball you know I get to you know, talk to my wife and, you know, she's unbelievable. She's been a, in recreational therapy and, you know, has worked with kids for her whole life. So she's like incredible at reading body language. And so she's just a good person to bring along with me anyway to these recruiting events. You should be like, man, I do not like this body language. <laughs>
0: <That's> like, <laughs> awesome.
1: You might need to talk to the head coach about that one. Cause like, I oh, don't know, that's a guy you want to bring into your program. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those are things that, that can just add to it. But I mean, it is, it's not, I don't think it's easy. If it was easy, I think every coach would be a great coach, husband and dad. Right. But I think, Candidly, some of us struggle with it. I don't know that I haven't figured out. It's something that I try to talk with with other coaches about. One thing that I've enjoyed following you is uh, I started noticing it so much through Twitter. But you and Jeremiah out there, you know, on the golf course, and your video in for him, and he's making big putts and hitting big shots, and I'm like, man, that is just so cool. Like, you know, those are things that, again, you just kind of you. I don't, I don't know, like that i probably would ultimately flip that question back on you what do you do right And now you're entering a coaching job like it's, i'm sure it's gonna look different but that would be a great question that i would love to ask any and every coach like how do you balance that Cause i don't know that i have you
0: it's hard you got to try to put that phone away and the greatest gift coach murphy taught me ever on parenting is to give your children time so and i've asked that question to a million coaches too is you know the time has to be quality time So maybe it's only an hour, but it's got to be the best hour you can with them. So, you know, that's, that would be my simple advice to you, John, but I I think you, you're heading in the right direction, my friend. And I love how you incorporate your wife and son at recruiting. That's awesome. So I always end the podcast, John, what are some simple tips for young coaches?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say this, like get to know as many coaches as you can, but like, not like in like a. I don't mean it to sound like bad, but like you just got to be authentic, right? Like get to know them, have a relationship with them, learn as much information as you can from them. Because, you know, the only way we can learn is if, you know, we ask questions. And I think that's really important. I think when you're coaching, keep your kids first, you know, keep the guys that you're pouring into as the reason why you're doing it. Uh, Don't make it about yourself. Don't make it about, the job that you wish you had or the job that you want, right? Like you need to make it about them. And I really believe that that stuff will take care of it. And, you know, this was another, I've, I mean, I've heard this from other people, but I remember, you know, Darren Sorensen saying this to Oakland. He goes, you got to approach the job that you have as your dream job. Because if you don't, you probably won't show gratitude for it right? There is the the idea of like dress for the job that you want, not for the job that you have. I get that too. But I do also think like, I mean, I wanted to be a college basketball coach. I get to do that every day. I'm living my dream, right? That's awesome. Not everybody gets to do that. But if I don't show the gratitude for having that job, if I don't show the gratitude for being able to live my dream. I don't think I'm ever going to get out of coaching what I wanted from the beginning, which, I never wanted fame and fortune and glory, right? I ultimately wanted to make a difference because my high school coach made a difference in me. And so be grateful for the opportunity you have because there are a lot of people doing a lot of things that they don't have purpose in, they don't have passion in, they don't want to be there, right? like, we got to show gratitude and we got to love our jobs. And so those are the things like be grateful and invest in the relationships because I think ultimately the relationships are what's going to last and being grateful to bring you the most joy.
0: That's awesome, John. You know, I was proud when you worked for us for the one year, just proud of your energy, proud of your approach, proud of how professional you took it at such a young age. Super proud when you went to Oakland. I remember we split one year or we split back-to-back years when we played each other. And I was still proud of you because yeah. I watched how involved you were on the bench. And I agree, man, you worked with some great people there. Obviously, Coach Campy, Darren Sorenson, sadi think Coach Tungate. Like, wow, great people. Proud when you got an assistant job proud when you became a head coach, coached against you a few times, gave you a few bucks for the program, you did a heck of a job. You know, obviously transition working out for coach, but just more proud of the man you've become and the values that you believe in and you're coaching for all the right reasons, John. So, and you know, as we do this around Christmas time, just couldn't be more proud to see your growth and then to see you to give your passion and love to so many young men. So, and just thank you for your time and definitely Thank you for helping young coaches today.
1: No problem, drive I've really enjoyed it. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed getting to have this conversation with you. And I'm super pumped for you that I know you're going to get through this year, but you're going to get to be, you're going to get to be a, a head college coach again, this time all new different ball game, right? Starting a program from scratch. Like you're going to have some different challenges and, and stories. I think that'll make all of us better when, when the time comes. So, I'm excited for you and, you know, and I'm excited that your kid is just out there just destroying everybody on the golf course too because that's just, that we're, I think all of us are a little bit jealous about how he is at golf if we're being honest. So, you know, he'll, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll keep up to date on him too.
0: Thanks, John. That was a great conversation with Coach John Trofe. Throughout my career, I've always enjoyed getting to know the student managers. To me at times, the student assistant coaches almost become like family members, almost like a younger brother or sister. And as I stated in this podcast, I only knew Coach John for one season, but his energy and passion was simply off the charts. And to see him become a head coach at such a young age in an excellent NAIA conference. Truly, is something that I am so proud of. I thought Coach John was so well spoken in this podcast, and you just heard Coach John is so thoughtful and professional. I can't be more proud of playing a small part in telling his coaching story. Thank you, Coach John Trofe, for sharing your story. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform that you are currently listening. Follow "Tell Me Your Story Coach" on Instagram at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow "Tell Me Your Story Coach" on Twitter at Coach Kevin Drow. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mandro. Stay safe. I can't say this enough. Be you. Keep coaching. Happy New Year. And see you on the next episode of the Tell Me Your Story Coach Podcast.